Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Boy, it seems like every weekend we've been busy the last several weekends. A few weekends ago, we had our second service. We had our Next Steps class, and we had um, uh, quite a few folks in that. And uh, we were able to, uh, this past week from, from that class, I baptized four, four people. And uh, next week, I believe we have several more to be baptized and join the church. So we're excited about that. And then last weekend, we had our marriage conference, and uh, we had a, a great weekend with that. And then this weekend is our wellness weekend, and we had um, just a fantastic day yesterday. I guess just under 80 folks or so were here uh, trying to find help or uh, being encouraged to help those that are dealing with depression and anxiety. This is a, a, real, uh, a real thing that's um, in our world and also uh, within our churches as well. And we want to make sure that we take the Word of God and help uh, as many people as we can that deal with anxiety and depression because there is hope and we want to find that uh, here today. But if you're a guest with us, we want to thank you for being here. The, you should have received a bulletin on the way in, but if you did not, there's a QR code on the screen. You can take your phone right now and uh, look at that uh, uh, through your camera and it will bring you to a Connect card that we uh, just ask that you take a moment. You can do that right now and fill out uh, let us know that you're here. If there's anything we can pray with you about, uh, we want to pray with you. I promise you we'll take that prayer request and we will pray and ask the Lord to help you in that area. But uh, we want to know you're here and uh, let us know about your family, whatever information you feel comfortable giving to us. We want to uh, want to have that, have a record of your visit. And uh, we want you to not just be a guest. We want you to be part of our family. That's our goal. And so we want to make sure we help in that area. But I'm glad you're here. If you invited a guest today for this special service, uh, thank you for doing that as well. I know that you will be encouraged and find help today. Um, last weekend was a, a wonderful weekend. I, uh, I asked um, two weekends ago, and, and it was just the first service, I said, hey, I'd like to take about 12 people with me to Bono Baptist Church. And um, I was hoping, I thought, you know what, there's six in my family, so I really just need um, six more people. And throughout the week, I had a lot of uh, text messages, phone calls, and I knew of about 25 people, and I was really encouraged by that. And then um, I showed up on Sunday, and there was over 40 people from our church that made the drive out there to Bono Baptist Church, and boy, it was a great day. It was a great day. And church, I want you praying for them. We um, uh, set a goal. We'd like to see them by Easter Sunday. Um, we want to see about 100 folks there. Uh, for the Easter service, and uh, that's a big goal. That's a huge goal. But I said this to him last week. Let's not set a goal that we can do. Uh, let's set a goal that only God can do, and so that when that goal is accomplished, God gets all the glory for it. And so I want you to be praying about this. Um, and I think there's a few pictures there that are showing uh, of the uh, of the church. We we um, had a service, and then we then we had a, a luncheon afterwards. Uh, we had communion together. It was just a fantastic day, and we came back for an afternoon service, and uh, just just a fun day, an exciting day. 
one of the uh, families that have been there their entire life, he said, we haven't seen this many people in our church in the last 15 years. And I said, well, get used to it because <laughs> we want to see uh, this community reach with the gospel. And we're going to do that several ways. Um, one is um, we're going to um, do here in our church um, is next Sunday, November 20th. Is that right? Wow. November 20th is already here. That means Thanksgiving is already here. That means Christmas is already here. That means the new year is already here. And uh, some of you are getting old. <laughs> this year just flew by, didn't it? Uh, we want to be a blessing to uh, uh, people uh, in our community. And we're going to do this. Every year we have a, a Thanksgiving outreach. And uh, you have always, always given, and we've helped families. And we'll continue to help some families this year as well with Thanksgiving meals, but we want to do something different this year, and that is this. We want to take, um, and we want you to reach your neighbor, and so this is how we're going to do that. We're going to ask that you give, like we do every year for our Thanksgiving outreach, and then what we're going to do is um, next Sunday, we have, um, we have uh, contacted McQueen's, and they're working day and night uh, for the next week to get these pies here, and uh, as you leave next Sunday from uh, either the 9.30 or the 11 o'clock service, we're going to have tables and tables and tables of pies that you're going to take. Now, you've paid for them, so please take them. I hope you've paid for them. Um, we're going to ask you to do that through your giving, to, uh, Thanksgiving outreach, and put that right on your giving. And uh, we'll purchase these pies. You'll take them. And on that, there'll be a, 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 a Thanksgiving um, brochure and the plan of salvation on that as well. And there'll be a, um, a sticker from our church and then a QR code that we'll put together, a video that my wife and I will put together, where we'll say something like this as they hit that QR code. Um, you've received a pie from your neighbor and they love you and they're thankful for you. And they want you to know this. And we're going to give them the message of Jesus Christ and the gospel in that video and invite them uh, to a service here in our, our Christmas time, our Christmas Eve service. So it's going to be a, a great opportunity, but we want you to be involved. We want you to reach your community and your neighbors. And so we want to think of all kinds of ways that we can do that. So I know this is a little bit different than we've done, but uh, we want everyone to be a part of that. So take um, some pies as you go home and uh, make sure they get to your neighbor. That'll be next week, but you can give uh, we want you to give toward that uh, outreach. And then what we're going to do at Bono Baptist is there at Bono, they kind of sit right in the middle of town. And there's 50 or so houses that uh, are in, in Bono. I don't know if Bono is a city. Um, I don't know if it's a village. I don't know. Um, I think it's just a street <laughs> um, out in the middle of nowhere where people live. And there, there's about 50 houses uh, right there that you get a stone's throw from the church. So on Tuesday, uh, November 22nd, uh, in that evening, early evening, we're going to go out there with, with the members there at Bono, and we're going to hand deliver a pie or two pies to every house um, there in, in Bono, knock on their door, tell them that we're from Bono Baptist Church, and that uh, same thing on those boxes that I ex uh, explained. And then also we'll have a video uh, specifically for Bono Baptist Church inviting them uh, to the service there, inviting them to the Lord uh, and to trust him as their savior. That's our main goal. Um, our main goal isn't to, to build a church. I, I want to make sure that's clear. Our main goal is to get salvation, uh, the gospel to every single person and let the Lord build the church. And he'll do that. 
if we're obedient in getting the gospel. And then we're going to follow back up uh, there at Bono. I want you praying about this, if you would, um, within the next couple weeks. And we've got a, a, a Christmas wreath that we're going to put, uh, we're, gonna, we're hoping to put on every house in Bono as well with the same thing, an invitation uh, to the gospel and an invitation to the church. And so every month we want to reach out into the community and every, every month up until Easter, um, we want to uh, let them know we're there. We want to let them know that we care. And we want them to, to let them know that we are there uh, and we stand for one thing, and that's the word of God and the gospel. And we want them to know that. So I want you to be praying. Not everyone can go, um, but everyone can pray. And so I want you praying. And we've got a lot. Um, I had a family in church. I was so excited. I, I was extremely encouraged last week when I showed up and we just had people coming from our church, family after family. It was, it was exciting. And then I had a family in our church say, you know, we really believe in what we're doing as a church, helping this church and reaching and, and helping revitalize this church. And a family in our church gave me a check and I, I just put it in my pocket. I didn't even really think about it because they gave it to me at a very busy time. And later on that day, I opened up that check and it was for $27,000. And this is what they said, we want you to use that for outreach. So the pies that we'll do at Bono and Christmas wreaths and all the things that we're going to be able to do to help this church, um, we're going to be a blessing. And I told the, told the people there, the leadership at Bono, uh, what our church is investing in them. And they were so thrilled. Um, one of them said this, I just can't believe that a church would help us this way. Normally churches are against each other. And, um, um, and I said, well, you're 45 minutes away, so we can't be against you. It's really easy for us to be your friends. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that. I wanted to, but, um, and so we, um, uh, I said, this is what we want to see. We, we need more churches in Toledo, not less. We need more gospel preaching, gospel centered, um, soul winning churches in the greater Toledo area, not less. Right, we, we, we wanna build the kingdom of heaven and we want God to be pleased. And so church, thank you. Thank you so much for your care. Thank you for being involved. Thank you for loving. And we're gonna be talking about this a lot. Um, and then we're gonna rejoice as God does a work that only he can do. And I'm glad that you're a part of this and um, it's exciting. And so I thank you. Today's a special day. We have, um, uh, Harley Snowden, his wife, Heidi, are here, and he pastors a church in Worcester. Worcester, did I say that right? Worcester, Ohio. And um, he started this church. How many years ago did you start that church? 13 years ago, he started it from scratch, just he and his wife, and, and um, the Lord's blessed the church in a great way. And um, then the Lord began to put on his heart this, this uh, ministry of, of counseling and helping and um, he's, Lord's using him, using him greatly. And we found that out yesterday for those that were here. And so he's going to come and uh, answer some questions that our church um, has given to us. And uh, we're going to uh, hear a message from, from uh, the Word of God today as well that'll help us in this area of depression and anxiety. And I know it'll be a help to you. I know coming through COVID, um, just through reading a lot of things uh, mental health is one of those um, things that uh, it just seems like through teenagers, through young adults, 
And uh, matter of fact, my doctor told me this, uh, men my age, um, he said that um, he's seeing a great increase in people that are struggling with anxiety and depression and uh, just mental health um, uh, difficulties uh, over the last couple years. And, um, and you know this church back in April, I, uh, I told you this, boy, I just felt like I hit a wall and I could not understand what was, what was happening. And uh, to the place where I even said to my wife, I don't even know if I could pastor anymore. This just is so difficult. I didn't want to um, deal with problems. I didn't want to, um, uh, I, I had no idea what was going on. It was one of those things that just concerned me. And um, I went away, I took pretty much the entire month of June away and spent some time with my family, spent some time away. And then I went to a place, a pastor's retreat center in Marble, Colorado, and spent 10 days there and um, just got help and counseling and, and uh, encouragement and, and uh, try to make sense out of some things. And I know when you speak about discouragement or anxiety and depression, sometimes we, um, we don't want to, we don't want to talk about that because it's kind of taboo. It's, well, you're just not spiritual enough. And I can promise you this back in April, when that began in my life, I was reading the Bible as much as I ever had. I'd prayed. My, my prayer life was the same as it had been my Bible reading. I, I wasn't in sin. It, it was not the fact that um, I, my faith was weak. It wasn't the fact that I was questioning uh, who God was. I, I believed all of those things. There was just this part in my, my mind I just could not figure out. And um, I'm glad I got help. I'm glad I found uh, a place, a safe place that I could go and um, that I could work through this. And it's important. And I know this, there's people in this room that you're afraid to talk about it. And um, uh, I, I know I was. I, I still didn't want to talk about it. Uh, one of our, Chris Cox said to me to, uh, this past week, Pastor, I think you ought to mention this to the church. And I thought, oh, I don't want to talk about this. What will people think? And, um, but I took his advice and that's why I'm standing before you because I want you to know that it's real and that you're not alone. And uh, there is help and there's hope. And I want to encourage you to continue, not to quit, not to make any rash decisions, but to find the help that you need. And uh, God has the answers for you, and his word has the answers. And sometimes, sometimes you've got to get um, medical help as well. And whatever you need to do, we want to be here walking you through this and helping you and know that you're not alone. So I'm glad that you're here. I'm gonna ask uh, Pastor Snowd if you'll come, and uh, where's Chris, if you'll come as well. And I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of our service here today. Well, we wanted to take a few minutes and kind of do a interview um, like we've done before. And uh, we, we asked our church, we sent out a survey uh, several several weeks ago, and we asked you to respond with some questions that uh, you are dealing with. Something maybe it's maybe it's something a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a niece or nephew, grandchild, but something that you personally would like to know. And it was amazing the the questions that came in. And um, Harley had 
had said that I have some suggested questions that we could use, mm -hmm. but the questions sure. that came in were just yeah. so good that uh, so good. we felt like these are going to be a help to not just the person who asked, but to all of our church here today. And so we're just going to run through some questions, and uh, I don't know how many we're going to be able to get through. They'll be on the screen. And uh, some of them have been changed just a little bit um, so that it doesn't identify whether it was a man or woman that was asking. Uh, some of them you'll, you'll still be able to know. But um, uh, especially like this first one, yeah, uh, this yeah. first one, you definitely know yeah. if it's a male or female. Because uh, question number one is this. I know being a mom should be a blessing, but it's just so overwhelming. I feel like I'm drowning in loads of responsibilities and high expectations to get it right for the physical and spiritual sake of my family. How can I rediscover the joy in being a wife and mother when I feel so burned out? Uh, first of all, I just want to say it's a joy to be here today, and I appreciate Pastor Rand sharing what he shared. I hope that that clears the air that you can um, own and identify and let God's grace and gospel enter your life and give you hope and peace. And I would say just as we begin, the ultimate answer to all of these questions is the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and anybody that's aligned with that uh, can help us as we process these things. But yeah, to the first question this morning, um, just a couple of thoughts I have. One, I'm not a mom, so I'll be careful to give that caveat. Uh, my wife will rein me in if I get out of bounds on this, but uh, it is a, uh, I would say uh, in any area as it relates to burnout, which we have not spoken much about this weekend, we will not. Really burnout is the result of how we manage all of life. Um, so sometimes we focus on one area of responsibility as your pastor was just talking, how it affected him on a pastoral level. But everything we do and everything that we are is all integrated. So how managing my, physic, my physical resources, how managing um, other things in my life, all of that intersects and impacts each other. And so we have to really be honest about that where maybe one area is being affected by another. The verse that came to mind was Galatians chapter two. Uh, Chris, I was just thinking about the idea where Paul says, the life that I live, I live now through the faith and the life of the son of God that Jesus lives through me. And so I think a lot of life, how we manage life is less about what we do. It's more about what we let God and Christ specifically do through us. Um, and if we do everything in our own strength, we tend to have nothing left to rejoice in. We have nothing left to celebrate uh, energy wise. And so as we rely upon God, that gives us the ability to enjoy. In fact, uh, the Solomon uh, in the Song of Solomon, he references it a bit in Ecclesiastes, that God gives us the ability to enjoy life. And so I think in any of these areas, to be honest with you, a lot of it is relying upon God. And for you mothers, uh, what you do is, is unbelievable just in one 24 hour period. But I would remind you that the God that we know and rely upon, he, he's more than able, he's more than capable. And so I think it's less trying, it's more trusting. Uh, it's less just us trying to shoulder up and lean into. It's more submitting ourselves to the power and presence of Christ. So that may be a bit of a succinct answer to a very loaded question, but just encourage you in any area that you're working at and maybe overwhelmed with, uh, how do I rely and rest more upon Christ, his power, his strength, and then through me, let him accomplish those tasks he's given me to do. That's good. Yeah. And, and our next question kind of goes along with that same idea mm -hmm. of being overwhelmed. 
And uh, just with everything that's been going on, this question, our world seems out of control. Mm -hmm. Are there things that I can do to reduce the overwhelming feeling that I get because of the events that are happening around me on a daily basis? I would think all of us probably could ask that question today or have that concern. Uh, we just had the elections on Tuesday and not everything went our way. I'm sure all of us, whatever our position on the given issues are. I think I would say in general that we are not created to be, omni, uh, to be omniscient, to know all things, right? We are finite beings. And so I think one of the main things I'm seeing in my counseling is folks who through social media, 24-hour cable news, the list goes on of where we are inundated with all that's going on in our world. And our minds and our hearts cannot handle that, at least on a regular basis. And I'm thankful we have a God who is omniscient, right? A God who can know all things and handle all things. Um, and so I think a lot of it's just our intake of how much we're ingesting, how much we're processing. Uh, your pastor was just mentioning last night that one of the areas we often failing is we end our day with that, don't we? We kind of put ourselves to sleep, to bed. We tuck ourselves in with a social media feed of all that's going on in the world or watching the news. So I think a lot of it is just limiting uh, what we're processing and how we're processing it. And then you've probably noticed this, but in our culture, not only are they telling us what's happening, but how to feel about it. Um, and I think God alone has the right to be sovereign of our emotions. And so it's a matter of who we place our emotions under uh, and being very strategic in how we manage that. Um, and then I just heard the other day, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Oswald Chambers or not, but he said this recently, solitude with God repairs the damage done by the fret, the noise, and the clamor of this world. Just getting alone with God. That doesn't fix everything. I'm not trying to diminish other challenges that we have, but just time with God, a reminder, he's always greater he knows all things. He's got all things under his control. And so I think limiting the voices and influence of others and placing ourselves regularly more consistently under the voice and the presence of God really helps with that. And you, you mentioned something yesterday in the men's split session about the amount of time that the average adult spends on their cell phones. Yeah. We, uh, the average American adult, last study I read, spends five to six hours per day on their phone. And if you add that up over a year, we are spending on average three months of our year on our digital device. And uh, I will tell you that is eating us alive from the inside out. And so uh, wherever that pinches or convicts you today, um, just encourage you to consider that. Yeah, and, and I think that takes us into our next question. Sure. Which is sometimes daily tasks seem uh, more like a chore to manage. Are there tools that I can use to help me manage my day-to-day -day more efficiently? Yeah, I would just give you a few words. These are not original with me, but here's how I have learned to kind of reduce or at least be efficient in the things God has assigned to me to do as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a, a believer. Um, eliminate anything you can. So I think that's helpful. Do I need to be doing this? Is this a one, like this is important, or is it a three or four? It's not uh, as important in my life. Um, and then secondly, be willing not just to eliminate, but to simplify, simplify. Um, we, we spread ourselves too thin in making purchases and how we manage our households, how we manage our schedule. And so just simplifying the things in our life that we do have. 
And then these last two are very important. Automate anything you can automate. So is it something I do weekly? Um, my wife, for example, in our grocery shopping, she has a four-week cycle. And every four weeks, we find ourselves eating the same thing again. There's a rhythm to that, but it's very automated. And as a full-time school teacher and things we have in ministry, it frees her uh, from those, those decisions that are made repetitively. So automate. And then lastly, delegate. What are things that you can give, for example, maybe if this is from a mom or one of our ladies or even in the business setting, ministry, what can I give to another person that empowers them um, and grows them as well? So I think those are things, eliminate, simplify, automate, and if you can delegate, that then lets you focus on things that only you can do, that God's called you to do. Um, and then I think secondly, the thing I would say also is, if it seems like a chore, do you believe that that thing has been given to you by God? What a privilege, isn't it, to serve God? And yet it's amazing how often the little ones God gives us and the influence that God entrusts to us becomes such a drudgery and a chore because we've forgotten or we're doing that responsibility without God's cues, without His promptings. And so regularly checking in with God, God, do you want me still to do this and how can I do it better? Um, I think gives a fresh sense of calling and purpose, or otherwise it would just be a chore. So I think those few things help us in those areas. So tools sometimes help us to be able to manage those stresses. So could you say those four things one more time? Sure, yeah. So first of all, eliminate. Secondly, simplify. Eliminate, simplify, automate, and then delegate. And if you can get some traction on those areas, it will really free you up to do the thing God has called you to do. Yep. So we're going to move from uh, some of the stresses to specific things that some of our people uh, asked. So question number four here, I became, I become irritated when my spouse becomes depressed as it means that I have to pick up their slack and deal with their pessimistic and negative attitude. This is a regular occurrence and I feel like I have to be strong during these times, yet this added pressure causes me to feel burned out. Any advice on how to help my spouse and how to deal with my own emotions and pressure? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, we have in our church several that are dealing with COVID long hauler symptoms. I don't know if that is a thing in this neck of the woods, but uh, disproportionately we have several in our church that are struggling with this. And one of the challenges of that is not just the person going through those symptoms, but the, the spouse and how that affects the environment in the home and maybe extra things that that spouse has to own and shoulder. Proverbs 18 talks about that a wounded spirit who can bear it. Um, there are a lot of things we can share in and help in, but a wounded spirit, that's a difficult thing, both for the person that has it, as well as the person that's married to that individual. Uh, and so that's a real and a constant struggle. The best analogy I can give would be this, would be flying, I don't know if you've flown lately, but they will always say something to the effect of the air mask analogy, where put on your own air mask and then help the person next to you. And I think a lot of encouraging a person who's struggling with especially depression is making sure you're, you're taking care of your own well-being to be able to turn and help and encourage that person. Because often what happens is the, you know, the, the noisy part of it gets all the grease, all of the attention in the relationship. And so you're not taking care of yourself uh, in a way that's helpful. Um, a guy I was talking to the other day said this, the best gift we can give, give people right now is the gift of a non-anxious presence. 
And I think that would also apply in the area of depressive episodes, just being joyful, being, being encouraged in the Lord and, and maintaining that in, even in the face of maybe what your spouse is navigating emotionally, physically, or psychologically. And then I think also just not having unrealistic expectations. If your spouse struggles with that, then prepare for that. Here are things I'm going to say and do. Here are some things I'm not going to say and do. And not be thrown by it, but be prepared for it prayerfully. Um, and I think reading broadly on how to understand um, those going through these situations. Uh, I think at the end today, we have a QR code that has some resources uh, on it. And I referenced it yesterday, but there's a great book uh, called Depression, The Sun Always Rises. And that little booklet is not just for the person going through depression, but also for the person trying to encourage them and help them. So I think be a student of it and to do your part to help them and point them toward resources that will help. That's good. And th this next question, um, I, I, it's, it's directed towards a specific event, but I think with COVID and other things, there's been a lot of loss sure. just in families. And so I think this can be towards that person, but then also, or the, this situation, but then it can apply to a lot of people. How do you restart life in a positive or purposeful way after the traumatic loss of a child? Our joy with this life is shadowed with sorrow. Everything is now diminished and, dam and dampened with underlying sorrow and some guilt, no matter how hard we try to give it to God and seek his plan for us, help and serve. Our general everyday function is hard some days. So I think, how, how do you move on after the loss of a child, a spouse? Mm -hmm. uh, for those in the room who've gone through grief, um, my wife just lost her brother just a few years ago and watching my in-laws process that, um, a lot of us, that touches close, doesn't that? Things we've gone through, folks that we wish were sitting next to us this morning or we were gonna share lunch with them this afternoon. Um, grief is a process. Um, and I think sometimes we either don't give ourselves permission or we don't give others room to process that uniquely. Uh, Kubler-Ross is known for the stages of grief but I would just gently remind you that grief is not a linear thing. It's not, it doesn't follow. Here's two months here and three months here. It's often very individual and unique to each person. And so I would start by just affirming that that's perfectly natural and a part of uh, grieving and processing what God has allowed in your life. Um, but here would just be a thought, um, especially if the person that is now with the Lord, a child, for example, is that's not the end of the story, is it? Sometimes we get stuck just in the moment or losing what has been or just what is. The other day I heard a guy say this, that the same God that is with the grieving is also with the one that's being grieved. Think about that. His presence, his soothing just entrance into that moment of grief, that he's both with the one who is grieving, he's also with the one who's now with him. And so there's a transcendence to our God and His comfort and His grace that He provides to us. Um, just a couple practical things I would say. One, I found very helpful with those I counsel is a grief journal. Just writing out what you're feeling and how you're feeling it. And often that gives us a sense of tracking how we're doing. And if we get in a rut, we're repeating the same thing day in and week out um, in our journaling that, that then maybe we need some outside help on that. Uh, so I found that to be true. And then I think also even years later, um, some in the room may be processing grief that you're far removed from and you're still where 
this individual that asked the question this morning, you're still in that dampened existence, that dark cloud, if you will. Uh, and so the journal often will help bring those things to light uh, in a way that's significant. I don't know if you're familiar with like grief share, but a lot of grief is better processed together, which is counterintuitive, right? We tend to want to isolate. I lost someone and so to let someone else in may open me up to additional uh, discomfort or grief. Uh, and so I think sharing grief is often a part of that process. And then a book I would highly recommend is called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercies, um, a tremendous book that just came out a few years ago that over and over I've heard has helped those going through deep, deep valleys. It's specifically about lamenting, using the psalmist and their, their modeling of lamenting and how that frees our soul from grief. So those would be a few things that come to mind. There's a lot there that we could talk about. And I think we're going to end on this last question. Sure. Um, when do you know it is time to seek medical attention for mental or emotional needs versus Christian counseling and help? So I, I want to say, first of all, I'm thankful even in the sessions yesterday that we had folks there with training and, and qualified to address some of the medical, biological, psychological challenges that we face. And one of the challenges is when is it spiritual? When is it physical? When is it psychological? And I would just encourage you to not pit those things against each other. Um, they, they are to work in harmony with one another. God has made us body, soul, and spirit. And I appreciate the emphasis in this church upon that. And so I think the mindset needs to be one of collaboration. Um, I said this yesterday, but I would strongly encourage you either while you're consulting with a physician or before you consult with your physician to get some good counsel. It helps you go into that consultation with your doctor with a framework that you're gonna to try to do what is aligned with scripture and nothing that's contrary to it. And so not flippantly discarding a prescription, not flippantly adding a prescription, but prayerfully entering into that conversation in a way that pleases the Lord. But I would say this, anytime I get a phone call or if you're aware of someone who is about to harm themselves, that's an immediate hospital intervention, likely psych ward floor kind of triage, we have got to stabilize and protect that person from themselves. And so for those that do counseling or you even informally have conversations with folks, if it reaches that level, there's no room for dialogue at that point. Um, and so I would encourage you to be very prompt and to deal with that in a very uh, timely fashion. Um, and then I think a lot of it is just assessing, is it a soul level spirit thing or is it a body thing? Is it a physical thing? And if it is, then to reach out to those who are qualified to speak um, to those issues. But I think it's a collaboration. Uh, I, I, I don't want to speak for Pastor Rands, but I would, I would guess that if you shared something with him, that he would be your biggest fan and partner as you seek medical help. And I regularly say that as a pastor, hey, let's schedule an appointment. I'm going to call you tomorrow and see if you got that scheduled. In fact, I've had some where I'll say to them, either you call them or I'm going to. Um, and that's the kind of collaborative relationship you want between these two parties. And so encouraging that, facilitating that, and then when that's you, I'd be willing to lean into that. Well, thank you for that. And uh, just an encouragement to everybody out there that if you need help, if you need uh, advice and direction, Pastor uh, is able to guide you and direct you to resources that yeah. we have as a church. Um, you uh, inspire counseling ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, Harley can uh, direct you to resources. And again, at the end of the service, we'll have a QR code 
on the screen that will link you to some resources that he has used yesterday and today and just want to put out there for you to use. And so take those and use those. Um, we don't have to go through this alone. Yeah, and that was something that came amen. out yesterday is that you don't have to go through this alone. So um, thank you for answering some of these questions. Thank you for submitting some of those questions. Amen. And uh, we're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer here and uh, ask him before we continue on with our service. Amen. Father, we are grateful and thankful that we have the opportunity to come to you, the one who made us, the one who designed us, the one who formed us in our mother's womb. And so, Father, we're grateful that we could come to you. When it comes down to mental health issues, when it comes down to uh, problems and situations that we that seem greater than what we can handle, Lord, we know that we can come to you for the answers and for the guidance and direction in our lives. And Father, we pray that you will give us wisdom. Lord, as we uh, have seen in these questions that there are, how do I help my spouse? How do I help my child? How do I help my, my friend go through a situation that is challenging and difficult for them. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to have wisdom for ourselves first and then also for those around us that we might be able to guide and direct them to truth and that truth stems from your word. And so, Father, we pray that you'll give us your wisdom. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be willing to speak out when there is a situation that is greater than what we can handle. Father, I pray that you will just guide the rest of this service Lord, use it in a mighty way. And Lord, we pray that you will use the truths that we learn uh, from Harley in just a few minutes to encourage our hearts and strengthen us. Lord, we thank you and praise you for what you are doing and what you have done. And we ask you bless the rest of the service in Jesus' name. Amen. When the nations rage and death is at the door When the wars are waged as they have been before There's a refuge that I run to A respite from my fear Nothing in this world can harm me here when my song of hope is swallowed by the pain And the weariness of grief floods in again Will you find me in the valley? Oh, hear my helpless cry Hold me as a mother holds her child and I'll take shelter, take shelter in the loving arms of God. And I will take shelter, take shelter in the loving arms of God. When a greater war had torn apart my soul And the iron hold of sin would not let go All of heaven stormed the darkness 
in the power of the cross. I'm free beneath the banner of his love. And I'll take shelter, take shelter in the loving arms of God. And I will take shelter, take shelter in the loving arms of God. When the labors of this fleeting life are done and the shadows fall we'll see the lights of home and then all our prayers and troubles will be stories of the past safe within his gates we'll find our rest and i'll take shelter Take shelter in the loving arms of God. And I will take shelter, take shelter in the loving arms of God. Take shelter, take shelter in the loving arms Take shelter in the loving arms of God. Amen. If you will, take your Bible this morning for a few moments and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 today. And we'll look at verse 6 and verse 7. It is our joy to be here this morning. Appreciate you all coming to one service just to hear this sermon today. I'm so touched by that. I'm just kidding. Good to see you today. Honored that uh, you're with us and that we can be with you. Grateful for your pastor, his friendship, and what God's doing here. Philippians chapter 4. Let's look, if you will, at verse 6. And verse number seven, Paul here says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your notice, hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. For a few moments this morning while I look at this, the gospel, the gospel in anxiety. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these dear folks, uh, Lord, this church, and uh, what you're doing here, not just in these four walls, but outside of here, uh, through this new church partnership and other things you're leading them to do. Thank you, God, for the gospel. Thank you for the good news of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ that not only forgives us of sin, but one day will lead to the redemption of body, soul, and spirit. 
Lord, as we take shelter in the home that you're preparing for us free of all that currently bogs us down and burdens us in this broken, fallen world, help us to live in light of that today. Help us to point others to that light as a result of our study today. I pray you bless these few moments we share together in your word. Sanctify them with your presence and power and work and draw us into your will, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. I have two boys who are a junior in high school, sophomore in high school, and uh, they are boys, okay? And I grew up with two brothers, so that's all I know. We have a house of boys. My wife is in the minority. Even our dog is a boy, and uh, so she has to navigate all of that testosterone and all that goes with that. I don't know if you can remember back to your early days, especially the men in the room, some of the injuries that you suffered. You would limp into the house and, my, hey, what's that? What happened? And you would just kind of just keep moving, you know? You didn't want to explain how you got the injury that you now were suffering from. I heard someone talk about the contrast between childhood injuries and adult injuries. And somebody said, our childhood injuries tend to be things like, I fell off my bike, I fell out of a tree, I twisted my ankle, those kind of things. Here's what adult injuries are, okay? Number one, I slept wrong. (laughs) That's all it takes. Uh, Number two, I sat down for too long. Man, that took me out almost, okay? And then my favorite one was this, I sneezed too hard, (laughs) threw my back out or whatever the case may be. You ever notice that in life as we go, especially as we move into adulthood, that our injuries, our wounds are less external and they're more internal. Our world is a tough place. There are things represent this room of trauma and challenge and ongoing struggles that need something more than just a Band-Aid, need something more than just a surfacey solution They need something that deals with the core of who we are. And I'm thankful through Jesus Christ, His Spirit, and His Word, we have good news about all of those things this morning. And so through just these few moments we share in Philippians chapter 4, we'd like to speak specifically to how there is good hope and uh, good news for those of us who navigate anxiety. Now, if you go back to verse 6, you will notice in the translation I read from this morning, be careful for nothing. That word careful there has the idea of anxiety, of be anxious for nothing. It means to be anxious, to be troubled with cares, or to seek to promote one's own interest. I'm hurt. I'm worried. I'm struggling. The Apostle Paul says we are to be careful or anxious for nothing. And while there are other factors that need to be addressed as it relates to anxiety, and we kind of touched on those this weekend, there are certain aspects of who we are that only the gospel can address. As it relates to fear, as it relates to anxiety, God has given us the antidote through His Son. So let's talk about for just a few moments two hope-filled antidotes that we find in the gospel that offer to us hope even in the face of anxiety. Number one, jot down if you will. First of all, we find through the gospel the anatomy of human anxiety. So God helps us to understand what it is, what it looks like, how to react to it, how to steward even the challenges that we face. Now, here's one of the challenges with anxiety. It is a very subjective diagnosis. 
I can't run a blood test. We may be able to run a blood screening and find some symptoms that are a result of anxiety, but I don't have a scan I can run or a screening I can run of you that will say, oh, you have anxiety. And so we need God's Word to help us both to assess it, to identify it, understand it, as well as to navigate the challenges that come with it. So let's talk about two things as it relates to that. Number one, we need to recognize the human experience of anxiety. So what is anxiety? Where does it come from? What does it look like in real time and space as it relates uh, to our being? I would give you two things about this. First of all, it feels like personal vulnerability. We feel vulnerable. We feel exposed to threats and challenges around us. This can first feel like psychological vulnerability, um, where it's almost as if the mind is off the rails. It just rages. Have you ever had that? Where you just feel like, ah, and my mind's going in multiple directions at the same time. Um, an illustration of that, of what that feels like. Uh, back to my two sons. One of my sons uh, is really good at cleaning out my car. And so he usually is who I have detail my car and uh, he'll clean it out. He uses all the right products, and he's very thorough for his OCD-leaning father. And uh, he got done cleaning our car a few weeks ago. We were getting ready to go out of town. And I got in. I backed it out so the doors could open. He could get the vacuum in and all that goes with that. And so he got done cleaning. I came out. I was going to pull my car back into the garage. Got in, started it up. And immediately the engine just RPMs just like went through the ceiling. I'm like looking around, what's going on? What, what's the deal? Put it in gear and it started lurching forward. I thought it was going to go through the back of my garage. You know, it was just, what is going on? I wish I had video footage of my face for that about 10 seconds where I was just panicking and what is going on? And here my son, I have like those plastic, hard plastic floor mats. You know where this is going? I'd forgotten to cover in my tutorial of how to clean a car, not to slide that on top of the accelerator. And so every time I would like stomp to try to get control of the situation, that just caused the engine to rev. That, that's the sensation of anxiety. It's just this, this it just, it ramps up. Our thoughts just rage uh, and they often are out of control. And so anxiety is being consumed with the what-ifs of life. It's toxic scanning. It's worrying about everything and feeling about everything at the exact same moment. That's the psychological sense of vulnerability. There's also a biological sense of vulnerability. Um, and this is often shaped by a dysfunctional interaction between the soul and the body. As the question was just asked a moment ago, one of the challenges in counseling and mental and emotional health is how those two things often overlap how they intersect with each other. And so the mind often in the body, these challenges that go with the intersection of those two things. And so we have to be sensitive to others and identify in ourselves where there are physical factors or sources to the anxiety. Certain emotions, including anxiety, can be the result of some physiological things that are feeding that emotion. And your pastor wisely said a moment ago, one of the challenges we face as it relates to anxiety is some would say that's the result of a spiritual issue, right? Assume that at all costs. Or even to be anxious is to be sinful. Can I just humbly remind you of at least one exception to that false narrative? There's a guy named Jesus. Have you heard of him? The one that the gospel is orbed around, who is described as being without sin, yet tempted in all points like as we are, right? 
And I would submit to you in the garden, as we studied last uh, yesterday uh, morning, in the garden, he suffered intense levels of depression. And you see that there clearly as he was pressed in that place. On the cross, when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There you see the raging, the roaring sense of anxiety on the part of Jesus Christ. So there's at least one exception to your theory or mine when I assume that anxiety is always the result of sin. And so it can be a physical thing. We must be sensitive and honest about that. All right, so personal vulnerability. Number two, quickly, personal responsibility. Now we're going to look at in just a moment some practical steps of how God's Word helps us to obey our way through anxiety versus just being fearful or just being reactionary, we can be decisive. In fact, Philippians chapter 4 has command after command after command. Be anxious for nothing. And so there are things that we can do. There are responsibilities that we need to own. You ever heard of a term called a panic attack? Are you familiar with that term? Not just maybe academically, but you've been there, you've felt that. Um, panic attacks can involve some of these symptoms, heart palpitations, sweating, trembling, shaking, shortness of breath, feeling of being smothered, feeling of choking, chest pain, discomfort, nausea, abdominal distress, feeling dizzy, lightheaded, uh, lightheaded derealization, chills, hot flashes, the list goes on. All of these symptoms that just kind of come on a person. And one of the temptations is to hear panic attack and think that just happens to me without also recognizing I can do something with that. I can respond in a way that pleases and honors the Lord. And so there is personal responsibility as it relates to how we steward the human experience of anxiety. Someone just the other day said this, if your emotions change because of anything, that thing controls your spirituality, your values, your ethics, your beliefs, your health, and even the cells in your body. And then he said this, regain your emotional autonomy. We still choose what we do with our emotions. Maybe harder for us, may require some support and partnership, but there is personal responsibility. So may we be willing to let God help us identify and deal with these areas of anxiety. All right, and then quickly, number two, let's talk about number two, we need to remember the heavenly perspective. So we need to look at anxiety through God's eyes. When we look at anxiety and the experience of it, we look at it through our eyes and experience, right? How do you think God views this struggle in our lives this morning? How does He view it? What is His perspective? Uh, Heidi and I had the privilege of being with a friend of ours in Denver, Colorado area. I don't know if you've ever been there, but there's a place called the Garden of the Gods. It's a beautiful place. If you've been there, just it's a contrast of different elements and rock formations. It's an incredible place. So we were able to tour that, drive through it, and experience some of that. Um, and can I just say to you that there's a garden, a couple of gardens that we need to visit for just a moment, very quickly, that help us provide the foundation to our view of anxiety through the lens of Scripture. Can we go for a moment back to the first garden when God made everything perfect? Uh, hold your place there in Philippians. Go back to Genesis. Would you, chapter 2? We don't have time to unpack this, but just... Just a, a word I want you to see in your Bible that is so important to seeing anxiety through the lens of heaven's perspective, God's perspective. Genesis chapter 2, hold your place there in Philippians 4, and if you would please, verse 15. 
So for just a moment, let's talk about where did all of this come from and how are we now stuck with this constant pervasive struggle with anxiety? So before the fall, all of our moods and emotions were in order, right? Everything was ordered. Everybody did. Everything did what it was supposed to do. So what did anxiety that has been turned upside down, this mood, what did it look like before the fall? Our tendency to be anxious, what was that before the fall? This is so interesting. Look here in Genesis 2 and verse 15. And the Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden. Notice this, for these two purposes, to dress it, and then notice this second responsibility, and to keep it. And the idea is this, that God put Adam in the garden to practice the word we would use today would be the word vigilance. His job was to manage and to keep the garden. And may I submit to you today that anxiety in its redeemed version looks like vigilance. Instead of looking out for me and just trying to protect me, I'm, I'm protecting, I'm keeping, I'm guarding that which is around me. See, originally we were created to be warriors, vigilant warriors. And what does anxiety do? It reduces us to warriors. So it gives us a way back. It gives us a way forward with our tendency to be anxious. God wants to redeem that and use that for us to protect and guard that which he's entrusted to our oversight. It takes the shame out of anxiety. It restores the calling and purpose of it as we remind ourselves of how far we have fallen. Now, after the fall in the garden, we see mood disorder. And you see uh, in the text that God later judges man and Adam, who should have been guarding, instead partook of the fruit, just like his wife. And all that has happened as a result of that. Romans 5, 12, wherefore, as by one man's sin entered in the world and death by sin. So not being vigilant led to sin, which led to the anxiety that we're navigating even this morning. All right, the good news is there's a second garden, right? And for those of us that were here yesterday, and many of you have studied on the garden Jesus entered into for us, and we see that Jesus reorders our moods, He reorders our emotions through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, it's interesting in the garden that Jesus is resolute, Jesus is obeying the Father, the disciples are panicking, right? Peter takes the ear off, and then he also denies the Lord, the fight and then flight manifestations of anxiety, and, and Jesus, through the cross of Jesus Christ, we have deliverance from that fear. In eternity, we see that God restores all things that have been broken. We have that hope someday that He has promised us. Um, just a little nugget of thought from Spurgeon I would give you, maybe jot this down if you're taking notes today. I love this hope. Without God, we can't. Isn't that true? Without God, we can't go on. We can't. Without God, we can't. And then this is my favorite part. Without us, God won't. Without God, we can't. Without us, God won't. He's not moving forward without us. And that includes the things that vex us and trouble us and challenge us. He will restore that all someday. And so may we identify where we need God more in our lives. All right, now go back to our text and let's spend a few moments here in Philippians 4. And I'd like to give you, secondly, the answer of divine gospel. So that's a very quick overview of where anxiety came from, what it looks like, and how we can make sure we identify it properly in our lives. Now let's get to the good part of our study, the answer 
of divine gospel. One of the things that I experienced with your pastor, in fact, when I first met him, we went on a trip to India back in uh, February, I think it was, of 2020. Uh, if you remember, that was a bit of a momentous uh, time in our world's history. Uh, in fact, on the way back, we could feel the world just being shuttered behind us. I remember landing in Paris, and we're like, what's with all the face mask people? You know, We didn't have a face mask, and what's the deal with that and processing that? But I remember one of the funniest things he and I shared was it was hot as all get out. And I don't know if you know this, but your pastor sweats a bit, as I do as well. Uh, I think his wife posted a picture from the tent uh, meetings you had. Uh, but the, the classrooms were like just outdoors, no doors, no windows, and it's just smoking hot. And we'd come out of class, and he'd just sweat through everything he was wearing. And he'd look at me, and I'd look at him, and we'd just laugh at, this is crazy. It was so hot. We were outside when we wanted to be inside where there was air conditioning. Um, the other day I, I read a study that said this, think of this, according to the World Health Organization, people spend on average 93% of their lives indoors. That's depressing, isn't it? I'm in a building, I'm in a car, I'm in a house, I'm in a, we're not outside. And can I just tell you today, one of the challenges with anxiety is all of our perspective is shaped by what's inside us. What's inside our body, what's inside our home, what's inside our echo chamber. And what I love about the gospel is it gives us truth outside of us. It gives us a bigger perspective uh, to see through uh, that bigger perspective what God is trying to reveal to us. So let me give you three steps in just a few moments here of how we can do this. Look back at verse number uh, one. In verse 1, he says, Therefore, my brethren, uh, brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. So I'm going to give you three steps, and these are not exclusively all that may be needs to happen for you to deal with anxiety, but this is at least the key part of what God's gospel plays in that. Number one, commit to God-given relationships. And we see here in Philippians chapter 4 that Paul is calling these Philippians, first of all, to have relationship with God. In verse 1, he says, Stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Go down to verse 5, he says, The Lord is at hand. That's on one side of this, be anxious for nothing. Notice on the other side, this sandwich, if you will, verse 9, he says, at the end of verse 9, The God of peace shall be with you. So when anxiety strikes, we need to focus not as much on the situation, but upon God and keeping our focus upon Him. I know that when I'm anxious, my view of God gets distorted. He's not as big. He's not as great. He's not as loving. He doesn't care as much. I've got to stay close to God in seasons of anxiety. That's the only way the gospel is going to help me. And if I accept a less than great view of God, that anxiety begins to cast a long shadow. And so relationship with God. It's fascinating to me. Go back to verse 2. He says, I beseech Eodius and Sintichi, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Number two, relationship with other people. Pastor Chris mentioned that a moment ago, that a lot of these issues are dealt with better in community. And so relationship with God. Number two, relationship with God's people. Um, in a book called Find Your People by Jenny Allen, she quotes a recent study that says this, research says that more than three in five Americans report being chronically lonely. And that number is only on the rise. Anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts are all also parallel on the rise. Listen to this. Scientists now warn that loneliness is worse for our health 
than obesity, smoking, lack of access to health care, and physical inactivity. Loneliness is lethal, lethal to our emotional health. And dear sir or ma'am or young person, when you cut yourself off from others, you're opening yourself up to falling prey to these moods and these emotions and the struggles that go with them. And so we must lean into instead of lean out in the relationships God has given us. In fact, in, in Philippians, Paul over and over uses one another commands. Chapter 1, verses five, 4 and 5, verse 7 and 8, verse 27, verse 28, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, verse 19 through 24, chapter 3, verse 17, and then verses 1 through 3 of chapter 4. One another, one another, one another. And then he commands us from that foundation of relationship to be anxious for nothing. Just two things that happen quickly when we are with other people that doesn't happen when we're by ourselves. Number one, we receive, first of all, empathy. Isn't it good just to have someone say to us when we're anxious, that's tough, I've been there. And to cry with us and to pray with us and just sit with us and say nothing but just have empathy for us. You cannot give yourself empathy. You can't give, you can't receive from yourself empathy. It must be something that's shared with others. And then secondly, you get encouragement, right? It's tough, but God is faithful. His word is true, and there are resources we can reach out to to get help. And so commit to God-given relationships. All right, number two. Go, if you will, down to verse 6. He says this, Be careful for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Number two, so three steps. Number one, commit to God-given relationships. Number two, meditate on Christ-honoring thoughts. We'll get to the head, the thoughts more in just a moment, but meditate upon Christ-honoring thoughts. What are those, those thoughts to be? Number one, they're to be thoughts of prayer. Taking what we think, taking what we feel, and directing it toward God through the avenue of prayer. In fact, I heard someone say recently that anxiety is praying to yourself, right? I'm talking to myself about what I'm worried about and fretting about and fuming about instead of talking to God about it. And so thoughts of prayer. In verse 6, we don't have time to unpack it, but he talks about these four different profiles of prayer that we are to go to God with. And I love the end of verse 6, which is how this connects to the mind. Let your request be made what? Known unto God. You know what prayer is in its most succinct way? It's us knowing that God knows. Us knowing that God knows. He just heard me again say to him, I'm feeling this and I'm struggling with this. And we cry out to him. It's not because he doesn't know. It's to remind us that we know now that he knows. And so we make them known to God that helps our minds in these valleys of anxiety, thoughts of prayer. Verse 7, he goes on to say, in the peace of God, here's what we all crave, isn't it? Which passeth all what? Understanding. It's beyond what our own minds can generate. Shall keep your hearts, here it is, and minds through Christ Jesus. So we go to God with thoughts of prayer, and he gives to us everything we need in those anxious moments. So thoughts of prayer. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, he lists now things we're to think about, things that are true, things that are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Number two, thoughts of worthiness. Think about what's worthy. Think about what's pleasing to God, controlling our thoughts on a regular basis. Now, when I read verse number 8, 
What does that remind you of? Where do we go to find things that are true and lovely and praiseworthy? Right here, right? So prayer, I know this is so simple, isn't it? But it's the simple things. Prayer and the Word of God being what dictates and controls our thoughts that want to rage out of control, we bring them back into alignment with what God has provided for us. One author said this worry reveals we are mastered by our circumstances rather than by God's Word. Mastered by circumstances instead of this book. This may we allow it to resume its place of authority and influence in our lives. All right, lastly, if you will, go down to verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Notice this key word, do, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Thirdly and lastly, engage in spirit-applied actions. Engage in spirit-applied actions. Um, I'm going to read you a description, then I'll show you this picture here. Somebody said this, the doctor asked me to spend at least one hour per week uh, one hour per day on the treadmill. And then this was the picture that they posted. <laughs> May not be what the doctor ordered, okay? Uh, do, do you know how often God gives us things in His Word and through prayer? Listen to me, but we do nothing with them. Anxiety, listen to me, it feeds on inactivity. Anxiety feeds on, I'm so fearful I'm not going to do anything, and that just feeds the monster. It's amazing when I get truth in God's Word or in a counseling session or from my doctor and I do something with that, how that pushes back against the darkness and the despair that so often pervades my heart. And so engage in spirit-applied action. And he mentions two things here that we don't have time to unpack at length, but first of all, action that is selfless. In verse 9, he talks about You've heard, you've learned, you've received, and now you're to do. Verse 10, he talks about they've cared for him. They've been selfless. Anxiety tends to become very self-absorbed, right? How I feel and what I'm worried about, me and mine, and what frees us from that often is a decision to be selfless where we want to be selfish. When do we know we're healed from anxiety? When we still feel anxious, but we're serving another. I still am worried about something, concerned about some things, but I'm serving and giving myself for the benefit of another. All right, lastly, look at verse 13. I love this. We often kind of rip this verse out of the chapter, but it fits obviously perfectly with all that's already been said. Verse 13, Paul concludes this section by saying, I can, I can do, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So it's action that's selfless. Lastly, it's action that's confident. I can. What is it you could do if you would just trust God and yield to God and let Him into your life in these areas of challenge that you're navigating? And so regardless of the pace, may we do what God has called us to do by His Spirit. All right, let me give you one last statement today. Would you jot this down? I think this is so key came across this recently, someone said this, our anxiety comes not from thinking about the future. All right, jot this down if you're taking notes. Our anxiety comes not from thinking about the future, here it is, but wanting to control it. Our anxiety doesn't come from, from uh, the idea of thinking about the future, but wanting to control it. Does that convict you as it does me? 
Can I remind you today, there's only one person who both knows the future and has his hand on the controls of the future, and that's not you. And it's not me. It's him. And so our anxiety is often really an indication, not always, but at least partially, it's a part of us trying to control where we need to submit and trust in a God who is more than faithful. I end with these two pictures. Um, some of you, I think you're going to the Holy Land, right? Early this next year. So some of you get to see this for the first time. But two pictures you'll see. This is the outside of the Eastern Gate of the old city in Jerusalem. The second picture is from the inside. And you'll see some prayer rugs and, and, uh, and uh, shoes there. Non-Muslims are not allowed to go down into that well there. But what's the significance of the Eastern Gate? What's the significance? It's been blocked up, right? Why? Because who's coming through it? Who's blowing through it sometime soon? Jesus Christ, by the way, with us in tow. And I don't mean to over be melodramatic today, but someday you and I are going to be riding horses next to each other through this gate. What do we ultimately have to be anxious about if that's our future? And so that's the hope we have, not minimizing what you're facing and navigating, but let the gospel shine some light into that dark corner, into that crevice of your heart and life or that of another. Let the gospel give you in the midst of anxiety, hope, and peace. Identify the anatomy, receive from God the answer that only he provides. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.